You're listening to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast, the Bitcoin podcast for OGs and intermediaries. Make sure you subscribe, leave a comment, and like this episode. Also, read the new BTCT KVR magazine. This episode is sponsored by Wasabi Wallet, Crypto Steel, Shop in a Bit, and Sadodime. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening. listening. Welcome to the Bitcoin Takeover Podcast. I am Vlad, your Bitcoin influencer's influencer, and I am live today on YouTube with Mike and Space. And if you know anything about Bitcoin, you know that Bitcoin Car Talk was the hottest show of 2016. He had some of the coolest guests. He put adversaries together. He made them basically talk to each other, but not directly, but through his show. And he has created the nerdiest name for NFTs. I mean, think about it. You have this Paris Hilton endorsed Jimmy Fallon promoted name for tokens with JPEGs attached, which is NFTs. But he came up with this that's called stamps. I mean, what kind of nerd are you, Mike? The biggest. Um, so, yeah, with stamps, do you know what the acronym stands for? Stamps for? Yeah, it's uh, Secure Tradable Artifacts Maintained Permanently. It's an acronym. Of course it is. It's not like you have a stamp collection in your back and you're going to show me how you have stamps from the 1976 Olympics. <laughs> One second. I'm, I'm doing a podcast. I'm right in the middle of it. You need to get in here. Can you give me one second? Of course. I mean, we, we just started. I'm gonna talk about stamps. I'm gonna yeah. Show talk, let me just blank out my screen for my camera, just because kids are knocking at the door, even though I told them not to. Okay, so let's share the screen and look at the stamps website. How do I share the screen from? So whiteboard, I guess. No, this is not it. This is going to be so much fun. I'm sorry, guys. Everyone watching and listening. Are you back, Mike? Yeah, let me just uh, start up the video. I was trying to figure out how to show my screen, but I failed miserably. Yeah, I, it's funny. I told my wife and kids like 10 times. It's like, I got a podcast coming up in an hour. I got to do what you need to do with the computer now, you know, but I'm going to need this room in an hour to do a podcast. And then like two minutes in, my wife's knocking at the door. Oh, I forgot something in there, but that's the way it goes. Sorry about that. That's a very Canadian thing to say, <laughs> you know, sorry about that. <laughs> anyway. 
stamps. Yeah. Are they bloating the blockchain? Absolutely. Absolutely. So no, they're not. It's not the blockchain. They're they're bloating the UTXO set, right? They're stored on the blockchain, um, held by archival nodes, just like ord ordinal inscriptions or anything else. But the way we store um, the data so that it's persistent is within the UTXO set. And this is this is like um, it's a technical detail most people don't really care about. But what it allows us to do is. Um, persistently store this data so that it's there forever. It's held by all nodes. So full nodes, um, prune nodes, pre-segwit nodes, post-segwit nodes, they all get the stamps, right? Because they all have to hold a copy of the UTXO set. When you compare that to something like ordinals, ordinals is like, ordinals is clever because what they did is um, they stored the data within the, within the witness. And um, the benefit of doing that is you get um, quite a discount, like fee discount, right? But the trade-off there is that it's very prunable, right? That data is there as long as um, people want it to be there. So as soon as it starts to be become an inconvenience for uh, node runners, then they're going to start filtering that data. They're going to discard it. And we've already heard, you know, uh, uh, Devs, you know, core devs talk about this. Lucas's filter, and so I mean, it's it's it's. I don't really think uh, some people call it say that I'm fudding, but I don't really see it as fud. I think it's a very realistic possibility that um, the ordinal data within the witness could be discarded in the in the next little while, coming years, as it becomes inconvenient. Now, stamps are just a lot more difficult to remove because they're within the UTXO set. And that's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it's persistent there. You, you can't get rid of it as easily as you can with uh, the witness data. Okay. That's a good point. But at the same time, is this really necessary? Because there is no reason for the images to get stored on the blockchain, right? No, I, well, okay, what is necessary? I would say what is necessary is what um, the person paying the fee decides is necessary. So the thing with stamp transactions is that we are, we are not benefiting from a witness discount. We are paying the market rate to get into blocks, right? So, I mean, what is necessary? If you're consolidating your UTXOs in your wallet, is that necessary? To you, it is, right? Um, is that necessary for me that you're doing that? Probably not. So, I mean, the idea of what is necessary is really, you know, it's sort of in the eye of the beholder. I, I consider it necessary that I want to store my uh, art persistently within the UTXO set so that it lives forever on the blockchain. Okay, but at the same time, there's this debate that there's a right way of using Bitcoin, which yeah. follows the original purpose of the network. And then there's a wrong way of using it, which means adding arbitrary data into the blockchain, which right. is not transactional. It does not serve an economic purpose. It serves more of a collector's purpose, an archival purpose, and maybe a speculative one, as you're expecting that that token that you're generating or that UTXO is going to be exchanged for more Bitcoin at one point in the future because it has a significance for someone. So, I mean, that's a there's a philosophical debate there. What, what is Bitcoin meant for? And I would argue that 
Bitcoin has had many identities throughout the years. And what I mean, use case, I, the way I'm a use case maximalist, I think the more use cases we can do on Bitcoin, ultimately the better. I mean, we've got a halving coming up in about a year and the reward is going to be cut in half. And so unless the price doubles, you know, you might see, um, you know, a reduction in security unless you make it up with, um, you know, transaction fees. And that that can be accomplished through, you know, different use cases. Right. So, yeah, hodling is one. But, you know, storing art is another. And I mean, ultimately, it's like if I'm paying, you know, it's, it's a fee market. If I'm paying to be in a block, I think that's a valid transaction. Something interesting that you pointed out with stamps is that this was always possible. Yeah. People were angry at SegWit and Taproot when ordinals came around and they were like, we should not have activated these soft forks because look, we can have this data that's being gathered into blocks and this can turn into a state attack. This can turn into a spam by corporations and everyone who hates Bitcoin. And then you came out and said, you know, this was always possible. I can encode this in base 58. And I can broadcast it in transactions and every node is going to store it. And you just proved that this was possible, but maybe there was not a market for it. Or why was it that you launched it after the ordinal inscriptions came around? Well, no, I, I definitely give ordinals credit for getting that ball rolling and they kind of proved the use case. I think without the success of ordinals, I don't know if stamps would have taken off because you kind of needed ordinals first. And the, the novel thing with ordinals was that they, um, they used the witness discount and that's why it took off. I think it's that, you know, they were able to do it in a very affordable way uh, by, by storing data that way. But then it, it just kind of revealed the trade-offs there that, yeah, you know, it's, it's less expensive to create an, an ordinal inscription, but it, the data doesn't persist as well as it does within stamps. So, um, so, I mean, Sorry, getting back to the question, what, what were you, uh, you asked? You Why asked, was it necessary for oh, the ordinal inscriptions to be first for you to come up with this? I mean, this was always possible, right? Yeah, no, it was always possible. Um, and just so the audience knows, Stamps is built on Counterparty. Counterparty is a protocol that's been around since 2014. And yeah, this has been, um, I don't know if it was possible from the very beginning because we're using bare multisig. And I think that was introduced a little later on. But definitely um, something like stamps uh, could have been done like eight, eight, nine years ago. And in fact, there were early attempts, things similar to the way we're storing um, data within the bare multi-sig uh, did occur on Counterparty. Um, why did it take why, why did it take ordinals? I mean, it, I think it was a confluence of um, things. You first had that. You know, you had uh, NFTs take off on Ethereum in 2021. And I think the promise there was that, or at least the perception from a lot of collectors was that the data was on chain, right? A lot of people just didn't realize that these are pointers. And then you had something that like ordinals came out where it kind of, it, it kind of um, was like that thing, you know, collectors thought they were getting all along. It's like, no, here, here, finally, you're, you're getting the art on chain, right? So that, that was very, you know, um, you know, the audience was very receptive to that because it was new and novel and it kind of delivered on the original promise. And so, yeah, no, I definitely, I, I, 
I don't really see ordinals as a competitor. I, I, I think um, it, it was a great stepping stone um, for stamps. And we're just doing things a little differently. It's like there are definitely trade-offs. Like, for example, with stamps, stamps are about four times more expensive to encode than ordinals, right? So that's a trade-off right there. So you have to decide as an artist or as a collector how important um, this immutability, this permanence is to you, right? Maybe it's not important at all. Maybe you're just like, you know, a flipper and, you know, you don't really care about the art or anything or the persistence of data. You could care less and that's fine. Go go encode your data on ordinals or on Ethereum. But if you're an artist that, you know, it, you know the art means something to you and you want it to be around for your kids, your grandkids, you know, you might want to look at stamps. Okay, so just for the record, it seems like the video on YouTube is broken as I enabled the whiteboard. Okay. And it's the prevalent image. So I'm going to try to play an ad right now to see sure. if that one takes over the screen. And then we're going to be back. So sorry for the early ad. I mean, it's kind of convenient that I get to play after 10 minutes. But let me see if I can fix the video. Wasabi Wallet is unfairly private. It's the most advanced and most used Bitcoin privacy wallet with half a million downloads across Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, as well as thousands of fresh new Bitcoins getting mixed every month. Wasabi makes use of the new generation Wabi Sabi engine to create mega coin joins, thus mixing your Bitcoins with those of hundreds of other users. From amounts lower than 0.01 BTC and remixes, you pay no coordination fee. Even if you don't use CoinJoins, Wasabi Wallet has a native Tor integration and downloads block filters to help you keep your network level and public key privacy. Download Wasabi Wallet for free today at wasabiwallet.io and experience the future of Bitcoin privacy. Okay, so there are a lot of people who vote to Signal on there we go. Twitter that they're trying to onboard people in El Salvador and Africa, and they, they were not able to allow them to have cheap remittances and cheap fees because of ordinals and because of stamps. How do you react to that? I mean, wasn't it just like a couple of years ago where uh, Greg Maxwell was popping the champagne and Adam Back was saying the ideal fee market is like $100 fees per transaction? This is sort of the success metric we've been talking about for years. The whole idea is that you need fee pressure, right? Because the fee market um, or fees replace the block subsidy as as it uh, cuts in half every four years. So, I mean, I mean, what do you want? I mean, this this is what we've been working towards, right? Now, I think what it really is about people just don't like the art the art use case, right? If it was like, uh, I don't know. Anything else, you know, if it was like MicroStrategy putting their entire payroll, you know, on the blockchain, people would be fine with it. So, I mean, I think it's just, I, I don't think it's a fair criticism. And what about Lightning? Are, is, you know, is it the whole point of like the, the El Sal Salvadorians are supposed to be using Lightning instead because you're not supposed to be using L1 because that's the settlement layer? Yeah, but ATMs use whatever they want to use. So... Some people, for some of them, it's easier to go after the ones using Bitcoin in ways they, they don't like, as opposed to going after businesses over which they most likely have no power. Now, what about Wasabi? You, you showed the ad a moment ago, and I think that's a great product. 
Um, but I mean, can you couldn't you lob the same criticisms at Wasabi? Like you're doing a lot of transactions there that might be deemed unnecessary. No, it's batching and it's doing a very good job compressing data. So from this point of view, if you want to consolidate your UTXOs, it's a lot more efficient to do it with Wasabi as opposed to do it yourself in a large batching transaction. It, it does some magic there with SegWit and stuff. I mean, I'm not qualified to explain it properly, but the way in which it works, it actually consumes less block space. It's super scalable. It's kind of impressive. I can imagine a future where the Bitcoin blocks consist of mostly coin joins of large sizes, just like Monero, except that you don't have hidden amounts. I mean, at the end of the day, the way I see it is if you're paying the fee, the market rate fee, then that's a, that's valid. And it's really, I mean, it's the miners are mining these things, right? I mean, it's, it's, I can submit whatever I want to the mempool. At the end of the day, it's the miners putting them into blocks because they value them because they have the highest fee. That's really what it's about. So get mad at the miners. Tell them don't mine these stamps. Yeah, yeah, that's another question that I had for you because you can do this. You can do a soft fork. You can do a hard fork. You can remove entirely this situation that you can call an attack vector but you cannot stop another type of encoding emerging and inserting yeah. arbitrary data into the blockchain so it's like a whack-a-mole whack-a-mole what do you call that game yeah no exactly but i mean it's uh, this whole adversarial you know the the fact that everyone is so like adversarial towards like ordinals and stamps just seems silly to me because i think that w- it's solving, you know, the, the the fee market problem. You know, the Bitcoin doesn't work at one sat per vbyte long term. The fee pressure has to go up. We need use cases, or you know, what's or you need the price to double every four years, and maybe that'll happen. We'll see. I mean, to give credit to ordinals and to stamps, the fees did go up this bear market. And for the past year, we did see miners receiving a fee reward, which is larger than the block reward. So in some cases, they got more than 6.25 Bitcoin from fees in one block, which is something that we expect to see and we expect to have in the future. And of course, we need high fees. And that's a very unpopular debate to to have. It's just that some people feel entitled to tell you how you can use Bitcoin and how you cannot. What they is want it really to store even and a what debate, they don't. Though? Is it really a debate? We need like it needs high fees. This is how the system was designed. I don't even consider that a debate. Like people who say we need low fees, it's like no, that's not how the system is designed. The block subsidy cuts in half every four years. The fees need to make up that difference. It's not a debate. Well, there are people who argue that Bitcoin is over-secured, meaning that there's too much hash rate and some miners need to go down and turn off their machines because they're not efficient and find the cheapest and most sustainable and blah, blah type of energy and also buy the cheapest gears and 
buy gears that have higher efficiency and all of this talk about making mining more efficient, but also more industrialized, which means that you as a home miner have stand no chance against those who have better electricity deals and also can afford to buy the latest gears that you don't have access to. So it's pretty delicate. I, I don't like that look on your face. <laughs> it's just, I think it's just a difference. I, I don't know. It's like a few years ago, everyone was rah, 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 you know, hash rate. Whenever it hits an all-time high peak, it's like, yeah, we're the most secure network. Yay. And it's like, now it's like, oh, now we're oversecured. It's like, let's bring that, bring it down. It's like, seriously, we're, we're oversecured. We want, we want it to come down rather than fees to go up. It just, I don't know, seems a little cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's a very ugly debate to be had for the simple reason that we have been teaching people that Bitcoin is decentralized and is permissionless and is for enemies. But when someone who uses Bitcoin in a way we don't like, we come out and say, yeah, you're not supposed to use Bitcoin like that. And it's difficult. It's not a nice kind of debate to be having. There was this guy, Ordinal Disrespector, who was always bragging about how he is filtering ordinal inscriptions from his node. Yeah. And I think it was Luke Dash Jr. who created the code for that. And to me, it seemed discriminatory. I mean, it's maybe, you know, there's this slippery slope fallacy that says that once you open up the gates for something, you're going to end up doing more. I mean, I see no reason for these people to also start realizing that they don't like transactions from dark markets or they don't like transactions coming from this exchange. Yeah. And they're going to also filter that out. And it's up to them because Bitcoin is by design a system which allows censorship. You can, if you open your full node files, you're going to see that there's a ban list.js file that you can find there. And you're going to figure out, okay, Bitcoin has always enabled this type of censorship. If you don't want to be a peer or interact with someone else, then you can totally block their IP address or you can block certain types of addresses. And having a full node means exactly to be entirely sovereign and store whatever you want and follow the rules that you want as long as you stick to the basic consensus rules. But at the same time, do we really want that type of system or do we want it to be inclusive and we want everyone around the world to be able to participate? Yeah, I mean, whatever you do with your home node, it's like, yeah, of course, that's up to you. You you want to put on an or disrespector and filter out whatever you you don't like Roger Veer's transactions, filter that out, do whatever you want. I mean, but yeah, at the consensus layer, it's like, these are valid, you know, these are valid Bitcoin transactions. They're, they're paying the network fees. Um, they're supporting the network. It's, and here's the thing. It's like a lot of people say, you know what, it's, it's a stupid use case that will get priced out. Great. Great. So, but it's like once those use cases materialize and they price out the stupid art, that's great. Then you have a replacement, but you don't, you don't, kill the existing use cases before that happens. You let the, you know, the real use cases price out the stupid use cases. 
rather than killing the stupid use cases prematurely and then you have nothing. That's the way I kind of see it. It's like if stamps and ordinals are stupid, they'll get priced out. So you don't have to worry about it. Well, yeah. And to some extent, you can see that the market is not as hot as it was maybe five months ago. There was this FOMO and this enthusiasm for this new type of writing data into the blockchain. And people started paying a lot of money and paying a lot of fees to inscribe their art or send their messages or create time capsules for themselves or whatever they wanted to do. And they were willing to pay higher fees. But right now, I think the market slowed down for the reason that there were some... Well, it goes up and down. I mean, the death of ordinals has been uh, called several times. Every time the mempool drops to like five sats per V-byte, it's like, whoa, ordinals are dead. And then it ramps back up again. Right now, we are in a valley, and maybe we'll stay there for a while. But it's going to go up again. It's just these are cycles. It is it is what it is. So I wouldn't it, just like everyone likes to proclaim the death of Bitcoin, you know, every time the price drops. It's just, it's, it's just funny to see those same, you know, the maxis then say, oh, the death of ordinals. But they've said it like five, six times, like every month they're saying it every time it dips a little bit and then it just roars back to life. But Mike, why do you refer to the others who criticize you as maxis? Because you're also a maximalist as you yeah. you are building on Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, okay, so I, we probably need better terms because honestly, they're not maxis. If they're if they're like you know we don't need high fees and we don't we don't need a fee market, then I don't know if they are maxis because they clearly don't know how the system works. So um, yes, I am a Bitcoin maxi. I'm the maxiest of maxis, and um, you know I, I can't explain what they're talking about. Okay, before I ask you the next question, let me yeah. play another ad. The video still doesn't work, but when I play an external video, it seems to display that one. It's very strange. I don't know. I, I just suck at using Jitsi or it's buggy. CryptoSeal is the original Bitcoin cold storage backup, and it's been innovating self-custody since 2013. Designed and manufactured in Europe from the finest and most resistant stainless steel, the CryptoSeal cassette and the CryptoSeal capsule are industry standards. These cold storage devices are made to resist house fires, extreme floods, and physical shocks. You can also use CryptoSeal to store your important passwords, VIP39 passphrase, or Noster private key. Buy your crypto steel today from cryptosteel.com and use promo code BTCTKVR to get a 10% discount. Crypto steel. Secure your Bitcoin like an OG. Okay, I think this is a good moment to take a look at Bitcoin stamps. There's this website, stampchain.io, which you, I guess, created. I'm not sure if you are the only creator, but you certainly worked on it. Um, you, first of all, can you see and hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, yeah, so this is a stampchain.io. Um, so basically, um, I came up with the protocol um, with some help from others. The and but the, the protocol is just you know that's you know a document that exists on GitHub. You really need devs to bring that to life. And I'm not a programmer myself, so I enlisted the help of some programmers to turn the white paper into running code. 
And so, yeah, what you're seeing here is a stamp chain. Um, it's one of many um, explorers uh, for, for Bitcoin stamps. Um, there's also Stampverse, Rare Stamp. There's Stamp Ninja. That's the newest one. And so, yeah, basically what you see here is um, all the stamps that are getting minted and they're all numbered. And um, some of them are SRC20. That's a, a fungible token protocol on stamps. Others are SRC721 and um, and others are art. So, yeah, there's there's different use cases on stamps at this point. Okay. So what is a good use case? Can you describe something that's actually adding so, value to Bitcoin? Well, okay. So I'll, what's adding value to Bitcoin? I think the fact that, you know, we people are using Bitcoin is, um, is an added. We're also, you know, we've brought in many people from other networks. I, there's a lot of people, you know, that have been onboarded to stamps from Ethereum, right? So the, what does that require? That requires that they acquire Bitcoin in order to participate. So I think it's a net positive uh, for Bitcoin. Is there not a greater purpose to create a market for these and sell them, flip them for a higher price during the bull market? Because I guess that's the purpose. And I can see a piece of ass here. I guess this, this those are the stamp I think the I think those are called stamp ass. So appropriate. <laughs> I mean th this is stored in people's nodes, right? This yeah, right exactly. In, yep. In, if you if you're running a node, whether it's a prune node, a full node, pre-segwit, post-segwit, it's got all this. So and that's a that's the thing with ordinal. I just again, I'm just kind of trying to contrast it with ordinals. Because Ordinal stores data within the witness, that means any pre-segwit node does not get any of that, any of those uh, uh, inscriptions, right? So, the the big, the you know, the one of the big differences between Ordinals and Stamps is that literally every running node has the Stamps data, while only a subset of nodes hold Ordinals. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just looking at these, trying to figure out where they're coming from and what their purpose is. Because it seems like some people are trying to create tokens. And what's the yeah, point yeah. of these tokens? They're kind of like Ethereum tokens, but they have yep. this nice background, like a mm -hmm. JPEG. What's next for these tokens? What's going to happen with them? So, um, so what you're referring to is SRC20. SRC20 was modeled after BRC20 on ordinals. It's a fungible token standard. Um, so basically it's a protocol on top of a protocol on top of a protocol on top of a protocol because you have Bitcoin, counterparty, stamps, SRC20. And um, what are they used for? Whatever, um, whatever you can think of. So basically with SRC20, you could use them in smart contracts, um, liquidity pools, DeFi, whatever you, whatever you can think of. So what All kind of DeFi yeah. or smart contracts can you do on Bitcoin or on stamps? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's like that's a use case that was built on stamps that I'm not really that involved with. There, That's what's happening so far. This stamps is kind of at a point where it's very decentralized, permissionless. 
Uh, various devs are building different protocols on top. And I'm the first to say I prefer the art stamps. That was the, the, the original use case of stamps. That's where my heart is. I don't mind other protocols built, being built on top. I think that's that's great. Um, but yeah, I mean, other people will play around with SRC20 and see what they can do with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my focus is elsewhere. Yeah, I get that. I'm looking at some of the stamps right here, and I realized that, for example, there is this one, which is called, and I don't want to advertise it, but it just... It's just the one on which I stumbled upon yep. it's called Pepe. And it says that there are 1000 of them, which means that unlike Ethereum or counterparty where you can create with one transaction as many tokens as you want. With this one, it seems like you need to do 1000 separate transactions to be able to mint mm. the entire supply. Am no, I no, correct? What, what, what you're seeing here is, um, so this is modeled very closely to how BRC20 works. So the idea is, First, you um, mint uh, a deploy, and within the deploy, you specify um, the total amount, and you specify the amount, the max amount that can be minted. So, say you um, the total amount is twenty one million, and then the max amount is one million. Then, if I want to mint, the max I can mint is one million. Now, I wouldn't want to mint any less than that because there's no point to mint less than the max, and um, but once you've minted it, then you can mint what's called a transfer, and you can transfer any amount of that uh, to someone else. Okay, so with one transaction, one minting, you can generate yeah. one million of them. Yeah. And then yeah. you need to do one million transactions to send all of them, or can you batch transactions? So what you do is, um, let's see if we can, there's a transfer. Yeah, you're seeing transfers on your screen. So basically, um, you define it uh, when you're minting it, you, you define it as a transfer and then you specify the amount you want to send within that transfer. So if you have a million, you can send half a million, you can send one, you can send one tenth of one, basically up to eight decimal decimal places, just like Bitcoin. Okay, I just realized that there are two more pieces of ass here and yeah. it made me wonder you know, th this is the concern trolling that always emerges when you have yeah. this type of freedom. And people say, what if people put child porn in the blockchain? What can yeah. be done about that? Well, okay, so there's not a lot that can be done about that because it's been there since the beginning. Um, one mitigating thing is that stamps, by their very nature, are kind of file size constrained. And so... Everything is kind of geared towards pixel art as a result. And so there isn't, I mean, you can do, I guess you could do a very crude something or other that's uh, inappropriate, but you're not really going to have high fidelity images or video that you could do with other protocols. So, I mean, that kind of mitigates the concern a little bit, but yeah, I mean, it's still a concern, but also here's the thing with directories Directories can decide what they want to censor. So if something really vile were to be minted, it can be suppressed at the web level, right? Now, it's still on the blockchain, but any of these sort of uh, user-facing interfaces, they can be cleansed. Yeah, but I guess some people running nodes are going to be angry that they have to yeah. support this. 
Well, I mean, yeah, and but honestly, that stuff's been there, I believe, since like 2010, like in one form or another, because data encoded on the blockchain has always been possible. So it's there. So it's an unfortunate reality. Yeah, but it's so much easier to be ignorant and not know about it and think that Bitcoin is clean and someone who came around this year and stamped something made it dirty. Well, here's the thing. Um, the data, it's not like you're running a node and then you have within the blockchain, there's a folder. And in that folder, there's like JPEG files, right? The way it works, how this data is encoded is it's broken down, like the file is converted to base 64 and then it's split into small pieces. And that data is then encoded into multi-sig outputs. So it's like, is that even a file anymore? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not like it's a readily available file. It's basically almost arbitrary data at that point, sp spread out into different unspent outputs. So I'm, it's, I don't know if it's, it's more of a philosophical argument or a legal argument about does that data exist if you convert it and split it up and, and, and encode it into a multi-sig? I don't know. Yeah, that's a very important distinction to be made, as most people think that you just upload the JPEG to the blockchain, when in reality, it's data that gets encoded in a certain type of encryption. Yep. And you need the proper type of decryption to be able to see it. Because exactly. If, if yep. you look at this type of data, like this ass right here, it's not going to be displayed when you use your full node and you look at what's in the block. It's not going to be displayed right. on... So let, let's take the transaction hash. Transaction, it's this one. Yep. And we take it to mempool.space and we're going to see that it's a transaction just like all the others. So you need to know exactly how this was encoded and what kind of cryptography it uses. Yeah. This paid a lot of fees and it was almost a hundred bucks to encode this. Uh, I'm going to have more questions yeah. about this <laughs> later. But... So expand. Uh, these are all the outputs where the data is encoded. You want to click show more because it's, it's kind of hiding it a little bit it's right there, like the, the blue button. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, all these multi-sigs are, are um, encoding a little piece of that file. Yeah. So you need the proper way to interpret what this is. Because on a block explorer, this makes no sense. You look at it and you're like, this is very strange. Why would anyone split this amount into all of these small amounts, which are equal, and make a multi-sig out of them? It's very strange. But yeah, th but this is valid. what it yeah. looks like. And this is what yeah. your node is actually storing. It's just that the people who want to interpret this image need to use the proper de decoding way right exactly but this is not very block space efficient do you think that there are better ways to do this i mean there's different ways to do it and they have different trade-offs um going back to ordinals they do it in um a very different way than stamps trade-off there is that uh the data isn't necessarily persistent over time so it's really what you're looking to do um this is probably the most um, resilient method of storing data um, that we've come across uh, because the data is just in outputs 
and the nodes need to keep track of those. Um, and again, I return to the fact that, look, that guy paid $100. You know, that, that fee went to miners. So um, I, I see that as, a va as valid. And if you don't like it, you can outcompete them. You can pay $101 and you can send yours. So how so is this the, not yeah. a conspiracy by the miners to increase the fees in a time when they're less profitable? Well, I mean, if if it's conspiracy, I, I, I'm waiting for them to cut me in because I haven't heard from any miner uh, about that. I mean, I'm sure they're happy about it, um, uh, but I don't see it really as a conspiracy. I, miners aren't behind it, but they're happy to mine, you know, high fees. Yeah, what you're, sure yeah. what you're seeing here, um, SRC20 kind of the same way that BRC20 dominates ordinals. What we did is we um, allow users to add these backgrounds just to make them look a little bit more creative because when you contrast it with ordinals.com, it's all just strings of text, right? You can't even find art. So we did this just to make it look a little bit more pleasing to the eye. If you skip ahead um, in like the... Um, like t towards the end or like you'll see more art like right now you're kind of seeing very very little art yeah yeah i see that you have yeah. this last button that yeah you yeah press and you can see actually the first of stamps and i guess yeah. these were made by you because you're a the couple first i was early i have zero and one and a few others uh i got mario up there number 16 i got hello kitty um but there are other people involved early on as well so concerning Mario and Goku and Hello Kitty and all of the stuff that you can see here, Pokemon, yep. are you concerned about copyright infringement? Do you think that someone can come after you? I mean, I think we've seen it already a little bit. Uh, I think, was it Yuga Labs went after one of the punk derivatives on Ethereum? So, I mean, what they can do is, yeah, they can they can censor it at the... At the web level, like they could say to you know a directory, "Hey, you can't you can't show Mario," but it's still it's still stored on the blockchain. They, there's nothing they can do about that. Someone even put the animations of the strippers from Duke yeah. in 3D. <laughs> Shake it, baby, and then you give the stripper like five bucks. The old Bitcoin logo. I mean, to some extent, I can see the time capsule value of this because yeah. this is the Bitcoin culture as it is or as it was this year. And some people are going to look at this maybe in 20 years and maybe there's going to be an anthropology or a history department in some sort of sorry ass university. And they're going to dig up these artifacts and think about what they meant and try to interpret their meaning. And you're going to end up giving university lectures about <laughs> the stuff that you did for fun. But yeah. at, at the same time, how are they valuable? Well, like, again, why would it, anyone want to pay for this? Why, why is the Mona Lisa valued at hundreds of millions of dollars? Why is it's art? Value is in the eye of the beholder. It's in the eye of the collector the market um if you feel that they have no value i can't argue with that it's really a personal thing i value them i buy i buy stamps all the time right it's i like seeing them in my wallet i like i like that they exist
Yeah, but really, who is this for? Because it's very expensive to create stamps, and it's also expensive it's probably, to buy I them. Mean, so it's basically well, a game for a couple of, not a couple, but a bunch of OGs who decide that they just want to trade Bitcoin with each other and send memes. And what's and that's a use case, and that's a beautiful use case. And I've been doing, I've been involved with Counterparty since about 2016, and that's what we've been doing. I mean, up until like the NFT, you know, uh, bull run in 2021, it's like it was all just like 200 people on Telegram trading these low value NFTs back and forth, giving them away for free because it was fun. It was really no profit motive per se. Um, I, I'd often make Pepe's and whatnot and just give them away because it's fun. And so, yeah, this is a community that likes to have fun. And, and I think that, that in and of, in and of itself is enough. This, I don't think stamps is going to necessarily take over the world or, or, you know, become like the number one uh, NFT protocol, but it, you know, for, for its community, I think it has value. Well, but do you ever think about the fact that your fun and the way that you're having fun right now <laughs> might impact others who try to use Bitcoin in the future? And you're bloating the UTXO set and you're adding more data to yeah. the blockchain. So it it's going to be slower for African citizens to sync up their nodes in 10 years. So again, what it comes down to is that, you know, it's a fee market and whether it's me putting art on the blockchain or it's Michael Saylor deciding to pay all his employees um, on, on L1, it's like the same to, to the African um, farmer. It's the same thing. Does, does he care like, Oh, well, okay. It's Michael Saylor paying his VPs uh, on the, on Bitcoin. So that's okay. But you know, Mike in space is putting art and that's not okay. It's like, I'm sorry. You know what? Like, yeah, I think people have this idea that Bitcoin is for everyone and it's more like Bitcoin is for anyone. And there is like a subtle difference there. Um, it's ultimately it is a fee market. And it's like, yes, yeah, some people are going to be left out, but this is how the system has been designed. And there's no way around it. There's no free lunch. Like, it's like there are other, you know, there's lightning and there's, you know, other methods of transacting as well. But, yeah, no, I don't feel any guilt or anything about, you know, sending out valid Bitcoin transactions and having them mined by miners. That it's, it's completely valid use case in my view. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to tell you, that you're slightly avoiding the question in the sense that you're explaining that it's technically possible yeah. But at the same time, you're not tackling the ethical issue of making it harder for other people, harder and more expensive for other people to use Bitcoin. But no, I, I don't think it's an ethical issue because that was always the end game. The end game was $100 fees that, you know, the end game was a robust fee market. Like this is what, you know, everyone was talking about a few years ago before the the, the fork, right? This is how we want big this is how bitcoin has to be it's not even how we want it to be it's like we have the having every four years this is how the system is designed we need a fee market and the 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 inevitable result of a fee market is yes the the people 
some people are going to be left out of that economy. It's just, that's just reality. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. To, to a degree, given your past and the fact that you're friends with Colin and Vin Armani and all the others, it's kind of hard to not think if you're trolling a bit and you're basically trying to say, okay, Greg Maxwell, you wanted a hundred dollar fees. You pop the champagne. Let me give you a hundred dollar fees so you can pop the champagne. And I know that he was angry because of this. He's not particularly happy that people use Bitcoin in ways that he does not endorse. It's permissionless. So it's really not about what Greg Maxwell has to say. It's not about what what anyone has to say. Um, this is what an open protocol looks like. Um, it's necessary, in my view, to have these use cases until they get priced out by other use cases. So again, it's like, if you feel that, you know, art is a stupid use case, then build a more relevant use case and price this out. I'll be so happy when the art is priced out by these, 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 these magical use cases that everyone's talking about. State level actors settling on the blockchain and central banks and blah, 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 blah. Make it happen. Okay, let me play another ad and then I can ask you something else. Remember the paper wallet? Ah, uh, yes. The good old days when you printed your Bitcoin private key on an offline computer? It was so fun, but not really easy and totally not secure. Today, we have Sadodime, a chip card that acts just like your good old paper wallet, but with all the modern security features and top-notch functionality. It turns your Bitcoin into a bearer asset, which you can easily trade in person. Thanks to NFC, you can use the Sadodime card with your smartphone. Creating a new pair of Bitcoin keys takes just two swipes. Check your balance in real time, create multiple key pairs. Whenever you want, you can reveal your Bitcoin wallet's private key with just a single click. The simple uncluttered interface lets you quickly see if a key pair has been unsealed. Finally, the cold storage you've been looking for. Available now on Satodime.io. So basically, what I want to say is that you were one of the people who introduced me to Counterparty and you're not even aware, but you sent me one of my first cards, if not the first ever. It was a Lombroso that you created and it was not even a named asset. It was one of these A numbered assets. And I thought it was pretty cool at the time, but I also appreciated that the data is not added into the blockchain. So the, the fees are cheap. You only create that counterparty token and you trade back and forth with others. I mean, it, it seemed very nice. And now you've found a different way to use counterparty, which takes a lot more block space and is more expensive and is mostly for rich people who can afford it. So how do you see, how how would you describe the difference between what you're doing back in 2016 with Rare Pepe's and stuff and what you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean... The funny thing is, it's like uh, with rare, rare Pepe's in particular, don't even contain the pointer. So a lot of like most NFTs on Ethereum and Counterparty, it's it's a pointer to, um, you know, an asset that lives on a server somewhere. Rare Pepe, I mean, it was at at the the forefront of, you know, NF, at the beginning of the NFT movement. 
And um, they were still trying to figure things out. But yeah, they didn't even contain pointers. They, it was literally just the token. And they decided through consensus that, yeah, this token refers to this JPEG. And they, they that's how it was done. Um, and it's just that was the mode of thinking for many years. It was like, well, you can't store this on chain. It'll be too expensive. And then what happened was in 2021, fees on Ethereum went nuts where people were paying hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars to transact, to buy monkey JPEGs worth hundreds of thousands of dollars and suddenly paying a hundred bucks to store some uh, JPEG on chain doesn't seem that expensive anymore. So I think it's all relative. At one point we're like, well, yeah, I don't want to spend a hundred dollars to store this data. But now it's like, yeah, it's only a hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm not going to judge that, but it, it still seems, you know, this very rich boys club where it is. No, no, it, okay, it is NFT. I mean, NFTs in general, like just it's like it is like this is not, you know, the average person does not think in it like this. And it's like, you know, even like the art you buy and you put in your house, you might spend a couple hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars for like a painting. But you're not spending tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars on a painting, the average person anyways. But that same person, you know, it's weird because with this internet money, it doesn't feel real. It's like I'll go to the grocery store and I'm like looking at two cans of like corn. And I'm like, well, here's a store brand. Here's, you know, it's like you're comparing it. It's like the difference of a dollar. It's like, why are you even wasting your time doing that? Meanwhile, I'm like, you know, I'm buying an NFT and like, the transaction fee is like several dollars and the NFT is like hundreds of dollars. It's like, it's a weird, the me the mental mode is different when you're in the real world versus like these fake numbers on screen. Yeah. So let me give you credit for this because I have been looking at 4,000 stamps so far yeah. since I started scrolling and compared to ordinals, you can see fewer porn posts. You can see some asses. You can see some titties. Yeah. But at the same time, there is nothing offensive. It's just maybe PG-14 or 18 plus or whatever. But it seems like the higher price does not attract too much of that trolling activity. Because mostly when people inscribed dicks or whatever or any sort of porn as ordinals, they only did it to upset others. They only did it to troll. I don't think it was made by someone who was into porn and really wanted this to be immortalized. It was just someone who really wanted to upset the others and wanted to stir some sort of debate about what's going on with Bitcoin. But I can see that in stamps, you mostly have heads of punks. You have Simpsons references. You have Seinfeld references. You have some Pokemon references. It almost seems like this is some sort of 90s kids playground where you dump all of your <laughs> references to cultural phenomena. And you also have Space Invaders. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure why anyone would want to buy one of these, but whatever. Whatever floats your boat. It's just that it, it's interesting that there are different types of Bitcoin users and there's this official quote-unquote narrative about what Bitcoin is. But there's also this subset of users who are in their Telegram chats and they do stuff. 
And I wanted to ask you if yeah. RT or Taro or Taproot Assets or whatever they call it these days gets deployed and it works at scale and it has liquidity, would you consider moving stamps onto that one? No, and I'll tell you why. Because the whole premise of stamps is the persistence of data and it would basically kill the meme. It's like we've already seen like you take something like Liquid. I think it's uh, they, they have their own protocol for NFTs, Liquid. Yeah, and it's, it's it, yeah, Rare Toshi. And it's a ghost town. It's like in one way you might say, yeah, this is the best way to do it because it's off chain, but it, it, it anchors into the chain. And so this is the best way to store art. And yet no one cares. No one uses it. It's a ghost town. So really the market kind of decides what it wants. And it's pretty clear that what the market wants is uh, on-chain art. And that was proven by ordinals and it's proven by stamps. So these other protocols, they, they have different priorities. Their, their priorities are, you know, what is the most efficient way to store this? But that's not necessarily the priority of a collector or an artist, right? So we're focused on giving artists what they want. Yeah, right now I'm still scrolling through these stamps and it's interesting to see how many heads you have and how many punks. I don't know why punks. Well, there was there was a so there was a punks 10k like the entire punks was minted on stamps. So you're going to find at least 10,000 of them. So there were quite a lot. They're called stamp punks. It was like a, a free mint and that means users minted on their own and the first one to have like um, the identical base 64 becomes the valid one. So it's sort of a race. Like we're all kind of racing to mint these punks. And if mine is minted before yours, then mine is valid. Yours is invalid. I like this Dogo. <laughs> if I actually had disposable income, I would buy it. I'm pretty sure it's like a thousand bucks or something. So I'm not going to touch it. Well, I'll send you some stamps after this call. It's definitely interesting to see what this project is about. And let me ask you this, because yeah. when you first sent me that Lombroso card, and yeah. maybe I should show it. Yeah, It's on X-Chain. Yeah, and this is an example of like, there was no like, there was no monetary reason to do this Lombroso. It was just fun. You know, I want, I had the idea in my yeah, head. This, this is my black Yeah, there you go. It's on and, Counterparty and also it's an ordinal, but it's not a stamp because I could not figure out compression and because it's too expensive. But it's here in credits, I think. And I have to go to the very first one. And I was right. You sent me one card of this. And that's the Lombroso. Yeah. With Peter Todd <laughs> in the background. So this was the first one that you sent me back at which block height is this? Uh, if you go to... Um... Issuances tab. 69.6. Okay, oh, so go. this was in That's when I August sent it to you, yeah, yeah. of 2021. So two years ago, almost. Right. You sent me this one. Also Pepe Nation and Sen, Sen Pepe? Senpai Pepe. Okay. I don't okay. know if I sent you. Those are those were ones that were in the same block that got sent. Yeah, those were in the same block because right, I don't yeah, have yeah. them. But 
what caught me by surprise at the time, and I remember thinking about this, was the fact that you use hot wallets and you reuse the same address all the time, and it kind of goes against yeah, everything that you absolutely. learn about I mean, it's, properly it's a, using Bitcoin. Yeah, 100%. And you have to understand, there's a little bit of different ethos within nfts where you want to be able to kind of showcase what you have right and so there tends to be you know this desire to keep everything in a single wallet um but again it is a hot wallet and it's not a great practice there are hardware wallets that are out you know you could now you can now put it on a trezor or a ledger and it'll work with free wallet and uh, so there are there are better ways of doing it these days but also, you don't need to necessarily. It's a hot wallet. So, I mean, I don't put thousands of dollars in Bitcoin on my hot wallet, but I do have probably a lot of assets that I need to move to cold storage. So, yeah, it is a little dangerous, I will admit. Okay, this is funny. Make pruning great again. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these are actually so I don't like the punks. No disrespect for yeah. whoever worked on, on them, but I, I don't see the point of them. They're kind of dull. But I do like this sort of art which relates to Bitcoin culture, something that tells you, okay, at this point in history, we had this meme which was popular and that was right. immortalized in the Bitcoin blockchain. Right. So I, I do like the stuff that's specific. I do remember one of the first, one of the earliest original inscriptions was Greg Maxwell with tears in his eyes. Someone made some sort of <laughs> pixel art with some guy depicting Greg Maxwell, and that that was funny. I mean, I love Greg Maxwell, don't get me wrong, but he's, he seems to have these strong opinions in terms of policing what others are doing. And this seems to be a greater trend, right? With Bitcoiners trying to tell you how this should be used. And I, I guess this is part of scaling, you know, because if everyone just did whatever they wanted with Bitcoin, it it would break a lot of stuff. A lot of, a lot of the nodes would no longer stay online. And this is another question that I think I have right now for you. What happens if too many stamps get broadcast at the same time? What's going to happen with the infrastructure? If they get broadcast at the same time? Well, things, I mean, things get held in the mempool for an amount of time. And basically, it, miners assemble their blocks Um Based on, you know, the, the value they can kind of put together. So, I mean, blocks get mined every 10 minutes and that clears out the mempool. Sometimes the mempool gets bloated for a few weeks for before things get cleared out. But eventually it happens. And so, I mean, there's no real concern there. I mean, blocks keep getting mined and that's how that works. If if if. You know, if you need to get your your transaction in a block, you might have to outcompete whatever's in the mempool. That's just how a fee market works. I do recall at one point someone in the Telegram chat saying that if this breaks Bitcoin, maybe it was never meant to work in the first. Well, place. and that's a good point. Exactly, we're stress testing it. And uh, honestly, I mean, if this breaks Bitcoin, I think you know the the experiment has failed. If this is what breaks Bitcoin, not state actors, not, you know, I mean, if JPEGs break Bitcoin, like, I don't know. I think Bitcoin is more resilient than that. 
I mean, that's a valid point, but at the same time, how does that not imply that you're attacking it? <laughs> um, hmm. Well, you know what? If you want to say that I'm attacking Bitcoin, uh, I'll wear that. That's fine. I, Bitcoin needs a villain. I, I'm happy to be the villain. I do remember when you were a big blocker hanging out with I was Vinar never a money. big blocker. I, look, okay. Careful with that because here's the thing. I made some skits, some funny skits on CoinSpice because they were funny and that's what I like to do. I was never a big blocker. So I just, you know, those rumors get out there and people are like, oh yeah, he's a big blocker. And that was never the case. I mean, I, I do have a question from Hadlonat on Twitter. And uh -oh. he says, yeah. has Mike and Space come out from under Roger Ver's desk these See, days? It's so ridiculous. I mean, I, there's no, what does that even mean? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I work for Roger Veer. You think it? So means. I'm on the payroll. Yeah. Okay. I I I, I would love that. Can I get on his payroll? I'll take it. But no, there's no uh, truth to that. So, are you attacking Bitcoin or not? I don't think so. I don't believe I am. I believe stamps is a valid use case. Ordinals is a valid use case. Um. And honestly, again, what I'm coming, what I come back to is for all the people who feel that it's a stupid use case, you just need to create better use cases and it will price these things out. That's what it comes down to. Do you think that this is just a fad that will go away when fees are going to be really like $100 only for the most basic of transactions and for this type of minting, you're going to pay more than 1000 well, again, but you're, what that what your statement is premised on is other use cases uh, pricing this use case out, right? It's you're saying when the fees are hundred dollars or whatever. Well, what is going to make the fees that? I mean, it's either the art use case, in which case that means the art is popular and so people are paying it, or it's another use case that's pricing out the art, in which case why even worry about the art? So yes, if you're saying hypothetically, if another use case prices out the art, will the art disappear? Well, yeah, obviously. I want to show you something because you are a Bitcoin head. You are part yes. of my collection. I'm honored, by the way. So I have one of those Sato cards and it has this on it and it's, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to ask you about how you can store these stamps on Sato cards like Sato Dime and whatever. yeah so i mean i i haven't looked too closely at it but i mean if it has like if it, it if you have a, a public key there yeah you just send it to it and it's stored like it's, it's no big deal whatsoever yeah so there's a dispenser for this one if yeah. anyone watching wants to get it for it's twelve thousand baby bitcoins i don't like to call them sats it's like three dollars look for m in space head and get it I think I, I still have some spares and I can do a huge airdrop. But if you want to support the show, you can just buy them from this dispenser. I can put the link in the description if you want. But uh, I think this collection is underrated and I just <clears throat> wanted you to pump it, to pump my bags. I have your Goodman in here. All of them are ordinal inscriptions. So nice. they're forever 
I mean, not forever, as you're going to concern troll right now. Right, exactly. There is still, for the moment, for the moment, until until Luke, yeah, run. until Luke nukes them all, they're they're good for now. Do you see that happening? I mean, all I can go by is like I look at you know the the, the, the what is it the Bitcoin talk forums or the Dev forums. And I mean, there's serious discussion happening about it. It's like, this is not like fudding or rumoring. Like, they're literally saying these things. And um, Vlad, I'm seeing a landscaper drive up, and I think he's going to be knocking on my door in a few minutes. So I'm. We may have to wrap up here. Yeah, yeah. I'll, apologies for that. It's fine. So another question. This is card number six. It says that. You do Bitcoin car talk and mempool report shows. Strength, you can make people who hate each other collaborate in absurd yet somewhat funny skits. Weakness, collecting rare pepes. <laughs> Special attack, Bitcoin Genesis block on a three and a quarter yes. inch floppy disk. And you actually yeah. sold this at one yes. point. Yes, it was a lot of fun and it was kind of a pain in the ass because mailing out physical items is always a pain. Um, and that's why NFTs are superior. You don't have to send anything through the mail. It's instant. And, you know, that's that's why they're so great. But, yeah, for a while we were, we were selling floppy disks and um, it was it was definitely fun. Yeah, we had the, the Genesis block encoded right on the floppy. Yeah, your ultimate attack is Bitcoin car talk 2.0 and <laughs> he makes you laugh and feel confused at the same time. Basically, what I wanted to ask you is how yeah. would you change this today, given that now you're into stamps and your role in the project at large has been changed to the point where to some you're a villain. So what would you make this say? Uh, like strength, weakness, special attack, ultimate attack. Let me get back to you on that because I really have to put some thought into it. Maybe um, I can create this. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's and you got to do it on stamps. Um, but anyways, Vlad, I'm really sorry. I got to cut this short. My wife scheduled the landscaper and he's right outside. So I got to deal with that. Um, uh, but this has been great. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy that you're here. Let me play the last ad, which for some reason I forgot to play. And this is going to wrap up the show. So thank you guys for watching and listening. I'm also going to upload this on Spotify and Apple podcasts and all the live streaming platforms. Not live streaming, just streaming. And yeah, subscribe, like the video and whatever YouTubers say. And I'll see you in the next one. Thanks, Vlad. Shopfinbit is the online store where you can buy anything with your Bitcoin. Choose between more than 800,000 products, book flights and hotels, and order everything else through the concierge service. With Shopfinbit, you can buy your weekly groceries, get the latest iPhone, upgrade your computer, buy something sexy for your new girlfriend, book a trip to El Salvador through the travel hacking service, and also grab a copy of the latest Bitcoin takeover magazine to read in the airplane. Everything is integrated with a familiar shop experience that doesn't track you and deletes your data after the order gets completed. You also get a 3% discount if you pay in Bitcoin. Try Shopping Bit today and use promo code BTCTKVR for a 5 euro discount on your first order. Okay guys, so Mike left. Thank you once again and I hope you learned something new from this episode. Make sure you subscribe before you leave.